over the years, uh, I've heard different teachers and pastors try to explain the, the Trinity as well. God is like water. He's liquid, he can be steam, he can be frozen. Or he can be like an apple. He's got the skin, the core, and all of this. And yeah, but, but that would actually, that actually, right, but that creates a bigger problem. Because if you say there's the peel, the skin, and the pit, or whatever, the peel, the of fruit, and the pit, is the peel this, the pit? No. So you create, every, at every, any time Christians trying their best to come up with some sort of metaphor, they actually make the problem worse. The cover up, Nixon, it's the cover-up that gets in trouble, stupid. It's not, the, the, just say we have faith. But what they do is, is, is by saying, you know, an egg, a yolk, a white, and the shell. But they're not the same. So then Jesus says, the yolk is not the shell. You see, so then... I've heard that all my life, you know, trying to explain it in those terms. And then I come to really start studying, studying Torah, and it says, God is one. And that's all you have to say. No gymnastics you have to jump through, yeah. no this or that. God is one. Oh, yeah. I mean, is salvation only accessible to people who have three PhDs in systematic theology? I mean, God is one. And in truth, if you go to a Jewish bookstore, we don't have books on God is one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, go to, try, try this. Go to a Christian bookstore in Houston. And, and, and how many books did you find trying to explain the Trinity? Am I making this up? No, no. Like, you know, I don't know. If you have, they have some Christian bookstores here in Houston that literally like like going into Walmart. I mean, it's huge. They have like whole, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books to explain the doctrine of the Trinity. Go into a Jewish bookstore. They have a book. Explain. Let me explain to you. Believing in one God is a whole book. No, that's it. There's one God. There is no else. That's it. There is no one else besides me, and that's it. And there is no. And Tanakh, Hashem goes out of his way in every way. There's no one beside me, no one with me, no one I share my glory with. No, there's no one but me. There's I'm the first, I'm the last. I will share my own. No, there is no savior besides me, no one outside of me. So a person who is, uh, if you if you read the Jewish Bible, you you couldn't possibly come to any other conclusion. What happens for Christians? The reason why Christians are Christians. It's not that they're bad people or evil people or gullible people. That's not the reason. The reason is that the foundation of their belief is believing in Jesus. When they were a little girl, my mother used to put me to bed when I was a little boy and kiss me on the head and tell me that Jesus loves you. And that was it. And that was my first spiritual experience. Jesus loves you. Okay? And I felt really good because Jesus was always there for me to talk to. And always, you know, you see? So what happens then is that later on, Christians do learn about the Jewish Bible and so on. But it's everything that's Jewish is then looked at through that filter that Jesus loves me. And, and you're also told that if you don't believe in Trinity, you're going to go to hell. And only bad people, only the bad people don't believe the correct thing, you see. So, because, you know, heresy is a very interesting term. Remember what I told you, what does the word heresy mean? It means to, it's very important. What does that imply? That people who are heretics, are they uh, believing the wrong thing? Like, why do they say choose? Why do they say the wrong opinion? Why do they say choose? Why heresy? This, choose seems to be a sort of benign no, it's actually much more visceral. By identifying false beliefs as heresy, what you are saying is very simple, that you are deliberately choosing to reject the truth, the orthodoxy. You, got, you understand? That's why the word heresy was such a, an important term. It's saying that you are demonic, you're under the power of Satan, and people, will Christians, are going to tell you 
that not that I have drawn a different conclusion than you, they will tell you you are blind and you are deaf and you can't see it. And you're just, you, it's, and you are, you are wantonly choosing the wrong thing because you are blind to Jesus and what he's done for you. And it, it's not about um, you're drawing a conclusion based on a body of information that's different than my own. You will not hear that from an evangelical version ever. Because the moment they do that, that means that something else plausible. So the heresy means you chose to you chose deliberately not to uh, to reject God, to reject the and all these groups we talked about in the ancient world, whether they were Gnostics or Marcion or Ebionites who were, were monotheists, they all believed they were the orthodoxy. The only thing is that, of course, all the other books written by all these other Christian movements did not survive. They all disappeared. The only books that survived were the books that were considered orthodox. And that's it. All the, the books of the opponents of Paul, the opponents of the their books are not with us. The only thing we know about them is what their enemies, who became emerged as the earth, what their enemies quoted, what they said about them. We don't have their books. We don't have the books of the opponents of the what is um, became orthodoxy. And what was orthodoxy in the seventh century was not was heresy in the fourth century. And it's very important. Tertullian and Origen were regarded as as heretics uh, for the for their very hard, they really worked hard to come up with some way how can we put this together, but they were deemed complete heretics. And therefore they were never given sainthood, although later they were, because they each contributed so much, they were ultimately reluctantly regarded as church fathers. They were given that term as church fathers, but not never sainthood, because they did, and those church fathers did not have that kind of intellectual requisite that Tertullian had and certainly Origen had. And then they said, Jesus is God, the Father is God, and I'm not, they, they just came up, they just, we're not going to just come up. We have no solution. So they became saints because they just, was, they were stupid enough, was, whatever it was, they didn't come up with any solution that would have made Jesus subordinate to the Father. So, so Ignatius is a, is, uh, is a saint. He said Jesus, or he didn't try to explain it. So if you didn't explain it, you made it the same to it.